finish it off. It's now time for Mark's Side of the Ring, the pro wrestling podcast where three marks. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Discuss pro wrestling like it's real. And now, here's Dick Ford. And Hogan, you big ball son of a bitch, kiss my ass! Joey Vegas. And Mike Madness. Oh, yeah! This is Mark's side of the ring, our premiere, our debut, our red carpet, so to speak. I'm Dick Ford. I'm joined as I am each and every week here on Mark's side of the ring by the one, the only, the incomparable Joey Vegas. I am here. I don't have a bedpan, though. And, and also joining us, as he will, each and every week here on Mark's side of the ring. The one, the only, the incomparable Mike Madness. I am here, boys, and for some reason, I do have a bedpan, but I'm going to leave it a mystery as to why. Okay. The mystery that it shall it, it shall lie. And then, it, really, the question then becomes, why doesn't Joey Vegas have a bedpan? Well, I'm assuming he, uh, Madness has a bedpan because he has trouble going to the bathroom. So... Or he has trouble getting up to go to the bathroom, or he's lazy. I don't have a bedpan because I am lazy, so I don't know why that's the case. I need one. Could you give me one for my birthday? So this is our big debut. If you're new here, thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends. And also, you can give us a five-star rating if you feel like we deserve it. And if you feel like we don't, let us know why, and we'll change absolutely nothing. If you aren't new here, you know that we've put out a couple of prelude episodes and you're probably waiting for our big episode about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, where I can prove to Mike Madness and Joey Vegas that they don't know what they're talking about when they want to put Rocky Johnson and the Ultimate Warrior in the Observer Hall of Fame. That is coming. The yes, results, they are going to be in the Hall of Fame. The results are not out yet, but when they are, we will discuss Madness. Um, real quick, before we get into our premiere episode here, which is the WCW meme, uh, how was your Christmas and your New Year since we really haven't spoken? You know, it was it was great. Uh, it was relaxing. It was chill. Everybody was it was a little more normal than last year. You know, no one was really apprehensive. We had some good get togethers. Kept it kept it quiet on New Year's, man. How about you guys? Yeah, I had the pleasure of spending both holidays with Joey Vegas. Um, as you're hearing, uh, he's still alive, so I did not kill him. And since I'm alive, he did not kill me. No, but I did get uh, a future. I did get future endeavored, so that's always good. good yeah, yeah, from yeah. your shoot job. Yeah, and well, you were about to future endeavor me, and then I reminded you you need me. True. And then I didn't also want to be the second guy to fire you around Christmas. So yeah, here you still are. Yeah, because then I'd go on Twitter and people would tell me to kill myself and I'd take them seriously, probably. So he did get featured in Devon. And then I also, I, I did not um, get fired, but I did quit my shoot job. So a lot of exciting things happening around here in the uh, Huntington Beach, Southern California area. Mike Madness, we look forward to one day 
doing this show with you in this very room for uh, with us. And um, we can't wait for you to get here and, and come and visit. And we could all do a show together in, in the studio loft of Boogie Down Jones. You know, I, I'm looking forward to that day myself when I want to torture myself and uh, head down to Southern California with all their wacky uh, liberal restrictions and such. I, I look forward to that. But it would be a joy to sit in the room with you two guys. I'll tell you that. That'd be something else. Yes. And I did want to say, I, I would like to challenge our listeners. You know, you did mention we would like to get some five-star ratings out. And uh, if we get 50 five-star ratings, Uh-oh. I think Joey, Joey Vegas, live on air, on YouTube, and we'll post it, we'll give a five-star frog splash to Dick Ford. <laughs> to show our appreciation to our fans. So keep those five stars rolling in. Keep listening. The more five stars we get, the more chances you got to see Dick Ford get himself smashed right on YouTube. Joey Vegas, I will let you five-star frog splash me if we get 50 five-star. I'm not sure I could do a frog splash, to be honest with you. If you you can't do it, then I'll do it to you. Sure. Yes, and I know how to work, so I won't hurt you. Well, I, I've worked in the past too, but the problem is I was 150 pounds lighter. At least. Then. Well, at least. Yeah, you're right. At least. Yeah. But I was, it was funny because I can, I can see madness right now. And he's saying he doesn't want to come to Southern California. And I get that. However, you wouldn't have to, you could walk around in what you're wearing down here and look totally normal. Right now, where you're at, it's probably negative 30 degrees, and you're walking around with sleeves, sleeveless shirts. Joe, What's going Joey on with Vegas, that? Joey Vegas, normal isn't my thing. Uh, if it's if it's normal, I tend to drift away from that sort of thing and, and get away from it. Uh, if I'm not weird, I'm not having fun. That's the bottom line right there. And I did want to say that I think there's a little foreshadowing going on here with Joey Vegas getting future endeavor and Dick Ford quitting his shoot job. This just sets us up for full-time podcasting here right on this show. We're going to be the biggest wrestling podcast that ever existed. And Conrad Thompson will be jealous. You know, we got um, put over on a couple of things and – Madness already changed. We were doing this every other week. Yeah. We got put over a little bit and Madness is like, all right, dude, let's do it every week. So now we're doing this every week when we really were going to do it every other week. So now I could, I feel like we're just a few short uh, weeks away from, from Madness saying, let's just do a podcast uh, five nights a week. Yeah, well, yeah, it's going to start with every week. Then it's going to be twice a week. And then it's just going to be every day. And then we're on Monday through um, we'll have to actually it would have to be like a, a Sunday through Thursday podcast yeah. because, you know, some days off pay-per-views are on Sundays. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. That would work because we're just following the wrestling industry with all their over the top content. WWE, like we talked about before, has what, like 12 different shows a month or something in some fashion all over the place between the whole platform and the network. I can't keep up. No, about you guys. So let's get into it. Uh, this our premiere episode. This was. um a meme that uh, Mike Madness had sent me, and you probably have seen the meme yourself if you are a wrestling fan. Um, but if you haven't, let me, I, I'll break down the meme in terms of what I'm looking at, because I'm looking at it right now. And then we will take the opportunity to explain each one of these um, options for the uh, answer to the question, which was the greatest mistake? by wcw so uh madness do you want to break down the meme or do you want me to break it down uh i'll tell you what why don't you just go ahead go through each one list them off then restart from the beginning and we can each give our input on each one individually after we're done going through them the three of us each of us has to pick which one they believe according to this meme was the biggest mistake 
by WCW. And if you want to, you can have your own. If you want to come up with your own that wasn't listed here, you think they missed something big, go ahead. I also have two listener ideas that were sent over to me to read afterwards, and we can see how those uh, stack up against what we have here. So, Dick, I'll get it over to you to go ahead and run through it. So, which was the greatest mistake made by WCW? So, these are pictured in, in, in no order, uh, not even in chronological order. I think these are just randomly put in here because the first square is overexpanding uh, the NWL, which has been talked about um, by numerous podcasts around. And even just if you were watching back then, you could tell the thing was getting out of, you know, out of hand. The second option is giving Hulk Hogan creative control when they signed Hogan in 94. The next option is the finger poke of doom, which Ironically enough, but not ironically enough, happened on January 4th, 1999, which is the same date that this thing is coming out on January 4. Uh, the next option is ending Goldberg's, uh, Goldberg's streak when it was the best thing they had going. Nothing like shooting the winning horse in the head. Hiring Vince Russo is an option, um, according to this meme followed by making Kevin Nash a booker. The next option is allowing these guys to quit. And these guys is Perry Saturn, are Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and the Iceman, Dean Malenka. And lastly, putting the title on David Arquette, which Russo gets the blame for, but as we've learned, was Tony Schiavone's idea. So those are the options according to, I mean, those are the top choices according to this meme. Now, Madness, do you think there should be other options? Or do you think that you could pretty much come to the conclusion with just these? Well, personally, I think these are probably the top eight that you could say. It depends on what you think the mistake is. If the mistake is what led to the demise of the company, then I think these are pretty much hitting the nail on the head. I do have a few other ones that I'm going to throw out, but I'm not going to do that now to confuse everything. Um, because I think we should just stick to the meme right now and select that. And I'll also be reading from the uh, listeners. So uh, we should just start from the top and we'll go from there. So the first one here on the list is overexpanding the NWL. Now, if you're unfamiliar or if you don't remember, the NWO started off with three members, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, under the premise that they were former <laughs> – see, this is how Bischoff always frames it. I think he <laughs> – he frames it because of all the hours of litigation, or I think he's just told the same story over and over again that he feels like it's the truth. But nobody actually believes that the premise of the story was that they were two of the three guys used to work for WCW and they were underutilized. And now they're coming back to get revenge because they became stars in another promotion. Nobody actually believes that that is the case. But those were the three founding fathers of the NWO. And in the months to follow, you had uh, six, uh, X-Pac, six, one, two, three, Kid was added. Uh, Conan, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, Scott Steiner. And, and the list goes on and on. I'm sure I'm missing some. But Mike Madness, it, it came to the point to where the NWO uh, limos would pull up and a dozen or so guys would be getting out representing the NWO. Well, you see, I know what you're saying and I know what the narrative against the NWO is about how it got blown out of proportion, how it was too much. 
But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to start this thing off with an argument right off the bat. I have never agreed with this. I think the reason the NWO was such a good storyline was because of how expanded it was. Now, we know Bischoff had that idea that it was supposed to end up being its own promotion, so that's why he put in some valets, managers, undercard guys. It wasn't just a bunch of elite guys of four or five. I think they did something totally different with a uh, with a stable that they've never really done much, uh, at least in American mainstream wrestling. I know they say he got this idea from New Japan. But for me, what were we doing to tune in? Why did we tune in? Why did I stop watching Raw and start watching Nitro? It's because I wanted to see who was next. Was somebody from inside jumping ship? Was somebody from WWF coming back over? We never saw anything like this. I grew up as a WWF guy. WCW was always second to me. Now you start seeing these guys pouring in. Hogan, Hall, Nash, Six, uh, DiBiase, Vincent, all these guys. Granted what you think of them, it was mind-blowing to see at the time, especially on live TV every time. So I don't think the NWO overexpanding is even a mistake by WCW at all. I think that actually kept it going and kept people interested, in my opinion. Joey? Yeah, I, I don't – if I had to pick one, I, I think the overexpansion of the NWO, I don't think it was the black and white overexpansion. I think when they got so many people and then they had to split off into the wolf pack, you know, and then, you know, then you had guys jumping from the black and the white to the red and the black and all the back and forth and all this thing. I think that would be where I would consider one of my top reasons why that was a bad idea. But, you know, but it's not the reason. No, okay. I don't. Well, technically, so you're, you're not no, picking it as the reason. I, I you would, only get one choice. So. I, I would argue that none of these are the reason. Oh, I would argue that they're all a culmination of reasons. I will we'll get to that. We'll but, get to that. We, we, we will get to that. But I do want to say, because this one is the only one on this on this sheet, I believe, that doesn't even belong on here. I think that 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 literally that storyline created so many things and had and it just kept going like WWF doesn't do what they do with the attitude area if it wasn't for the NWO nothing happened even the wolf pack when they split that up whether it was stupid or not in hindsight that shit got over those red and black shirts probably outsold those black and white shirts during that time and it was cool to like the wolf pack it was like a baby face NWO and then you know from there it went where it went but that was a three-year solid three years I think of a good angle that needed to keep adding and subtracting and doing what it did to be successful and compete with the WWF for 83 weeks. Yeah. I, I feel like the expanding of the NWO is not going to be the answer to the question, which was the greatest mistake by WCW. Do no. I think it was a mistake? Yes, I do. But I don't think the red and black was a mistake because that was a moneymaker. I think putting all those guys in the black and white to begin with, is a was a mistake, but well, not. Let me, let me ask you a question, Dick Ford. What, yeah. What exactly made it a mistake? Because because you convoluted you, you convoluted it with with hacks hacks. I say hacks like Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton. All due respect to Scott Norton, he was a badass in Japan, but in America, he never quite lived up uh, to 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 the to the New Japan's you know rep that he had. Vincent. Okay, Virgil, hack, all of these guys that are considered hacks joining the NWL, the NWL was at its peak, its apex, if you will. Hogan, Nash, Hall, Six, 
and I'll even give you Ted DiBiase. That's it. The minute they added the giant was the minute that they started the fuck up train. It was leaving the dock. Okay. Your your timeline's off because the six was after the giant. So yeah. well then, and well, the guys you mentioned, you got you mentioned Buff Bagwell, you mentioned Scott Norton, and I'm going to throw in Conan as well. Those three guys probably got their biggest rub and their biggest push. Granted, not to the main event, but they got their notoriety through being in the NWO. If there wasn't the NWO, I don't know what they would have done. You can you can speculate all you want, but those guys got pushes. Those mid card guys, they got recognition. Scott Norton was farting around with ice train, fire and ice. Guard. No one cared about that. Conan looked like. He wasn't getting the respect he's deserved from Mexico with the gimmick he was given there. And Buff Bagwell was a tag team wrestler who was flopping around for, for, for five years. But, the but they, he, they found it. And Scott Steiner himself, without the NWO, in that expansion, and all those guys would have not have had that character, would not have had that edge and let them get promote themselves that way and, uh, and get better success. Granted, they were held down from main event status, maybe not Steiner, but the rest pretty much were. But they got pushes, and that's because the uh, overexpansion, if you want to call it, it happened, and that's what, what that's what we were going for, and that's what kept people tuning in every week. What's the NWO going to do? What's the NWO? What's going to happen with this storyline? It was the main storyline. Expanding and, it though didn't make anybody. I disagree. It did, I, I, no, but you I, just it, you literally just stars. the no, only star they made was Goldberg. You I literally mean, oh, that yeah, that's a problem that WCW had as a whole. But that but were, that but you could just chalk that up as another problem, but. They expanding the NWO. The only thing it really did was give Vincent something to do in his autograph signings for 30 (laughs) years after the fact, but it didn't make Scott Norton. It didn't make buff Bagwell. It didn't make anybody. It made no one. The expansion made no one. So wait, I'll say that. How can you say that buff Bagwell had the best years of his career as a member of the NWO? But but all they did did was Steiner. So did, so did Conan. All that and, did was just make him a little better than mediocre Bagwell. It didn't make him a main eventer. It didn't make him a star. Those well, were they, his those were his best years. It doesn't matter. That, that they didn't as a company, you take NWO uh, expansion out of it. You take it as a company. They didn't make any stars but Goldberg. They didn't make anybody a main eventer. I mean they they, they, they made you can't Joe, this story line against that that they would have done something different they made jericho but he had to go somewhere else to become the main event guy but jericho's a star because no. of wcw well jericho's a star because of jericho i don't, I don't think wcw jericho, d- didn't do him any favors yeah. he did it he True. he gave what he gave the shit that they gave him and created roses out of it chris jericho is a top five all-time wrestler in my book the way he's reinvented himself everywhere he's been that guy just, he's 50 years old right now, and he's one of the top guys in AEW. He's must-see TV. The whole crowd is chanting his his song when he comes out there. It's amazing. He is a he, he is his own entity, that guy. He didn't need anybody. He was just being held back over there, and he got to the WWF where he was eventually able to do his uh, himself there. So we're all under the agreement, though, that the expansion of the NWO is not the reason. Not right. And for sake, for sake of constantly arguing with everybody, thinking that I thought they did it the best way they could to, to prolong it, to to compete with the WWF and, and, and keep the thing going. But yes, I, I will agree with you that this will not be the uh, biggest mistake. 
by WCW by any means. So next on the list was giving Hulk Hogan creative control. I'll let you start with this one, Madness. So according to Eric Bischoff, if you believe Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan only exercised his creative control one time while in WCW. That is straight out of the mouth of Mr. 83 Weeks himself. So that being said, if his creative control didn't rear its head in as much as you were told, how could we call it the biggest mistake if we can't really pinpoint anything that, that had happened? So I, I can't put it out there personally. I don't think I don't agree with giving any talent creative control at any point, but I don't know if Hogan exercised it as much as we think we did, unless you have another uh, theory over there, Dick or Joey. I don't have a theory, but I can tell you this. Hulk Hogan probably doesn't sign with WCW without it. And then, therefore, there's no Monday Night Wars. There's no, we're not even talking about WCW because it never even gets to the level that it gets without Hogan. So if 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 Hogan doesn't sign without creative control, then how could Hogan having creative control be WCW's greatest mistake? It can't be. It, yeah, it definitely can't be. If you can't, to me, if you can't pinpoint a spot where he used it, where it was a negative impact on WCW, then you can't have that be the biggest mistake. That's if you believe Bischoff. Well, but no, I'm just saying in general, even yeah. if he used I, it 80 times or yeah. a thousand times. Maybe he used it 83 times. Yeah, there you go. But if you can't say, well, if Hogan didn't do this and didn't say, well, I'm going to add 5,000 people to the NWO or, hey, I'm going to kick this person out or do this or do that, or I'm going to be you know, somebody with something and, and bury somebody, then you can't really say that that was an issue. You can't pinpoint a reason why. Right, right. And, and let's just be realistic here. Hulk Hogan at that time was still the biggest name. And to this day, he is still, to me, the biggest name in the industry. And you know what? You're going to give that guy. If you want to compete, if you want to have a, a program that people are going to turn their eyeballs to, you get Hulk Hogan on there by any means necessary. That's giving him creative control as well. So I don't think that's a mistake at all. Like Dick said. January 4th, 1999. It's not only the day that mankind won the World Wrestling Federation Championship, but it is also the date that WCW counter-programmed that with what has been known now in, in folklore as the finger poke of doom. It's become that because a lot of people pinpoint this as the official start of the downward spiral that WCW would take in 1999. If you're unfamiliar with the finger poke of doom, basically, um, I'm trying to remember specifically. I know Mike Madness will be able to correct me, but um, I'm uh, Hogan and Nash are set to have a title match and they spend the whole show of Nash and Hall, you know, I'm sorry, Nash and Hogan not getting along, not being on the same page, not being in the same locker room. This is where it's where we're, we're led to believe that there's going to be a legitimate championship match in the main event. We come down and we're swerved, bro. And Russo's not even working there yet. And Hogan uh, just touches his pointer finger to Nash's chest. Nash takes the best back bump he's ever taken in the business. And then Hogan pins him one, two, three, reacts like he just had a grueling match. They swerved us, bro. Is that how it is? That, am I remembering it correctly, Mike Madness? Yep, you uh, hit it pretty much on the head. There was some extracurricular on that Nitro with Goldberg. I believe he was supposed to initially be in the match. I think it was supposed to be a rematch uh, from Starcade where uh, Nash had ended the streak. And uh, there was a whole bunch of bullshit of Goldberg being taken to jail. There's a lot of arguments with that same episode that they made Goldberg look ridiculous on that show. 
And that also hurt the company on that same episode along with a finger poke of doom. So yeah, you did give a good recap of that. And uh, I don't know if it's whether it's just the timing with the company and how it went, or this was really something that actually kind of like, all right, here we go again. Like I'd said before, you know, the overexpanding of the NWO was not an issue to me. But at this point, we're about three years into the storyline, and it kind of feels like they need to desperately keep this thing going. They were losing steam. Uh, WWF just had their 1998, which was ridiculous, if you remember. So I think this is definitely a contender for a giant mistake. They should have done something else. I don't know what, but that's my thought. I mean, I think, you know, you 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 culp, you combine both of these with, you know, the finger point, point of doom and then. You know, the Tony Schiavone, that'll put the butts in the seats. You know, I, I was, when I remember this watching TV, I, I had a beanbag, uh, ch- you know, chair kind of thing. And I was, I was watching it and I remember that happening and I, w- I was so pissed. And I wasn't pissed because, oh, you know, the, the title changed hands to Hogan. I was pissed because I'm like, really? Like th- this, this is how you're going to swerve us? Like I, it, it was, go- it was like go away heat as they call it. It was, I don't want to watch this anymore. If this is what WCW has come to, I'm done with this. So it's definitely up there with, with the, you know, one of the mistakes, if not the top one. I I do think that that is a great analysis right there, but I do think how they handled it going forward. I mean, I think the finger poke could have been saved eventually if they had some good creative behind it. But what they did was they turned the black and white into a B team and they just pretty much buried it. Bitch, that was the original NWO. You literally buried under some new shit and you made everybody look stupid. On It was wearing black and white. They they literally were second rate, told they are second rate super wrestlers on the show. And then you had the elite with the black and the red. And then it was mm-hmm. like this. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It, it, it went nowhere. I can't even really name anything NWO related in 1999 that went down. that was actually that relevant um, from there. So I don't know. It's definitely a contender. Next on the list is ending Goldberg's streak when it was the best thing they had going. And Bobby Heenan is notoriously known after that event for saying, there it goes. This company is going into the shitter. They just shot the golden goose. They killed the the thoroughbred horse. And he uh, famously predicted that WCW was uh, in deep, deep waters with the inability to swim when they ended the streak. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with a yes, ending the streak, but also the cattle prod in which they used to end the streak when Scott Hall came in and zapped Goldberg. I could see kind of why they do that because they wanted to look like Goldberg was screwed. And it wasn't like Nash just said, LOL, powerbomb in the middle, one, two, three. Because Nash was the booker at the time, which these two kind of, these two options kind of tie in together. Um, Because if I'm remembering correctly, Nash is the booker when he books himself to beat Goldberg. And that's how it's going to come across, whether it actually happened that way or not in the back, in the locker room, in the creative meeting. Whether it happened like that or it was Shivani's idea with, you know, with Arquette or if it was somebody else's idea for Nash to beat Goldberg, when the internet knows that Goldberg, I mean, sorry, that Nash is running things and then he's the guy that ends Goldberg's streak, when 
There's a lot of people that don't agree with ending Goldberg's streak. It's going to get, Nash is going to get the finger, probably the middle and the pointer <laughs> as to the, the reason behind the streak ending. You ended it because you're the booker and you wanted to be the guy. It's kind of, kind of, you know, makes the argument of why you shouldn't have an active talent to be the booker, but be that as it may. I think a lot of that situation and the aftermath is again, like, like madness said with the finger poke of doom follow-up is the lack of follow-up. Uh, you really can't Goldberg really doesn't get his shine back ever after this. Granted, he punches a limousine window like an idiot, but madness, this has to be high on the list if it's not number one. I don't know if I'd put it at number one. I definitely wouldn't take it off the list either, but I do know that at that time, this streak had been going on since September of 97, and this is in December of 98. So that's a long streak. And I do recall seeing signs in the Nitro crowd around this time saying it's getting old Berg. They were getting sick of it. It was, it was getting stale. You knew Goldberg was going to win every time he went out there. I do disagree with Kevin Nash being the person to go ahead and end that streak. I don't think he needed that push. He didn't need that push. We know this. I think this was an ideal time to build up somebody else uh, that could have been uh, beat Goldberg. You put somebody over or Goldberg, somebody over that person's made in that company right there after that streak. That's what they should have done. They missed it and they should have put somebody else. I don't know who, but they should have been building somebody else up to beat him. But the, the answer is simple. You don't know who it's because you're just not thinking. The answer is real easy. It's Chris Jericho. True. Cause he did have that little bit of a, uh, yes. Uh, he had a little angle with, uh, yes. Was that, was that before? Yes. Or it's right before. That- Cause this is, isn't this Starcade 98? Yeah. But Jericho was still with the company through most of 99, I believe. He didn't show up until August of 99 in WWF. So I just don't know the timeline if that's correct, but I will tell you that Jericho would have been a great, uh, great guy to have let me say i'm gonna look it up but i don't think he had enough of a push to really do it i think i think jericho beating goldberg the way jericho had been booked up until then was actually gonna be more of a burial for goldberg than a push for jericho in my opinion Uh, i think at that time yes because i think they didn't put jericho in the position to go over 100 i i mean these streaks in the wrestling world you know, with the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, you know, you, like you said, 100% agree, the person to beat the streak. It wasn't that the streak was ended at this time, necessarily. It's why do you have Kevin Nash, again, the booker, be that guy? You do it to make somebody, just like the Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania. Yes, Lesnar, he's a beast, whatever. He didn't need to beat the Undertaker, okay? He didn't need to do it. You could have had somebody else that you could have made and would still be a bad made. Goldberg was going to be made no matter what, or not Goldberg, Lesnar was going to be made no matter what. Right. And, you know, Jericho would have been perfect. I don't know if they, I don't know if they had really anybody else at the time that I could think of the top of my head, you know, that could have no. done it either. But All right. I, hold on. Go ahead. Because Goldberg's streak, ending Goldberg's streak is my answer to this question. Okay. Uh, 
And just to answer what we were just talking about when you said you didn't know, Jericho versus fake Goldberg happened at WCW Fall Brawl 98. So, So Jericho could have been the one to beat Goldberg for the championship in December of 98. And it would have made sense. And it probably would have absolutely, not even probably, delete the word probably, would have absolutely made Jericho. Jericho doesn't leave in 99 in August. So let's let's fantasy book a little bit here now. Let's say that goes down. One thing that got Jericho pretty over when he came to the WWF at that time was was interrupting The Rock. So like if he wins the title here, he sticks around WCW till the end. Is is his and you know I mean Rock's still there obviously, but you know who knows where it would have ended up there. But I think he would have made it work. I think he's got the talent. Oh yeah, no, he definitely ends up in WWF, and he and he his trajectory doesn't change. He just ends up there maybe a year or two later. Because he only leaves because he knew he needed to get out of there because he wasn't going to get the push that he thought he deserved or, uh, you know, he thought WCW was a sinking ship because they right. wouldn't put anybody else over. So, I agree with you. And he uh, would have came in more as a main eventer as he would have. When he came in, he was feuding with China and Eddie Guerrero and the intercontinental scene. And then he took a couple of years for him to get to the main event of WWF. So yes. I think he would have came right in as a main eventer. So this is the answer for me, Dick Ford. As to which was the greatest mistake made by WCW, because while some people point, no pun intended, to the finger poke of doom, that happens after they beat Goldberg. So I honestly believe that the start of the downward spiral, I'm going to agree with Bobby the Brain Heenan, the start of WCW swirling the toilet bowl is Kevin Nash ending Goldberg's streak. I'm okay with Goldberg's streak ending. If it's ended to make somebody who wasn't already made, Kevin Nash didn't need to be the guy to beat Bill Goldberg. Chris Jericho needed to be the guy to beat Chris, uh, to beat Bill Goldberg. So that's my answer. And now I'm taking the rest of the show off because I'm already done. Good. No, I'm hey, just thank, thank God. I'm just, yeah. The show just gets that much better. Oh, really? Oh, really? All right. So next on the list, since we don't have Mike Madness's answer yet, and we don't have a Vegas's answer. The next option on the list is hiring Vince Russo, which this is a brand new podcast. So I know for a fact that you guys listening don't know that I'm a Vince Russo guy. <laughs> okay. Always have been, always will be. I used to be a Vince Russo apologist. But I dialed that back because I do know that the guy has done some retarded shit. But I also know that he tends to get a bad rap for things, even if he wasn't the guy who actually did it. He gets a bad rap for the finger poke of doom because there's people out there who think he was already in WCW, which he wasn't. He wasn't in WCW until October of 99. So all that dumb shit in 99, a lot of that stuff, I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Madness, if you know. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the Judy Bagwell stuff started before Russo even got there and he Uh, gets the bad rep for the Judy Bagwell stuff. I can't, I cannot confirm that. I do know that a lot of those silly on the pole matches and all the craziness titles uh, down from everybody and all that was, was definitely a Vince Russo idea. Her on a, Uh, yeah, her on a forklift was a Russo idea, but that wasn't her debut on WCW. 
No, but putting it on a forklift is some nonsensical bullshit. But then again, hey, we're talking about it 20 years later. So is it the wrong thing to do? It's hilarious. I want to go back and watch that. So, I I, yeah, I mean, I'm. It's great. I am. I I, I can watch nine, end of 99 and then 2000 WCW and not. And not be. What's the word? And, and not be disappointed. But if I were to watch modern day. WWF Raw, I would be disappointed. Oh, geez, forget it. And I'll tell you right now, and then I'll let Joey Vegas go here, but I'm not going to say that hiring Vince Russo is a mistake. Granted, when you look back, hindsight, okay, it didn't work out. He got a little crazy with some things. He did some dumb stuff in there. But when when you was like you said, he came in in October of 99. This is really panic mode time for WCW. The, they're far from winning the war at this point the wwf has just taken over so what can you do but hire their main writers through their best years you know granted he had the filter of vince mcmahon while he was there but it's not you gotta hire the guy if he can turn the ship around why not give it a shot i don't think it was a mistake only in hindsight so judy bagwell makes her debut in wcw in 98 okay russo's not even there in fact she's one half of the tag team champions with rick steiner I mean, I, I just want to go on record. Judy Bagwell is probably one of the best things ever to happen. To and rest family. in peace, by the way. She just recently she died. Did. She did just die. Uh, but yeah, she was, she was one of the best. I, I'm going to say that. I just remembered her Along with when Arquette, and we'll get to him. I remember her when she was my first memory of her is when she was pushing Bagwell out in the wheelchair. <laughs> and then he did that boat that he did that whole heel turn. Mm-hmm. Like he got up, but he had that legitimate injury. But anyway, so we're all under, are we all under the belief, Madness, that Rousseau is is not the answer to this question? No, no chance. He gets too much blame. It's like one of those, he's got one of those personas that it's easy to go ahead and yell and blame him. I'm also a Russo guy. I, I, I like the guy overall, what he's done. I like his attitude, how he, how he came in and he, he shook things up in the WWF. He got everybody off that PG, that new generation crap and turned it all around from there. So no, to go ahead and hire this guy in your company who had that success, whatever filter he was under, no way it's a mistake. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a, it's definitely not a mistake. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You go back and you look at it and say, "Wow, this was kind of really stupid," but it's not the reason for the downfall for sure. And I'll and I'll tell you this: if they never hired Vince Russo, this company wasn't going to get saved anyways. But if we had heard that that WCW had the opportunity to go ahead and sign Vince Russo and they didn't do it, we would have all been saying that was a big mistake by WCW for not giving it a shot. Yeah, because of his success that he had on the other program. Exactly. So I am looking up here when I'm trying to find when Judy won the tag titles with Rick Steiner. This is not easy. You think this would be easy? This is not easy. Never easy. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people want to forget that. So <laughs> I don't think they're going to make it too easy when you have a, a, a 48-year-old overweight woman winning the, t- the title. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, some of the stuff they've done, I know we're going to get to David Arquette later, but even WWE, WWE in like the last five years, they've made some some child, a tag team champion with Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. What yeah, was that? that was the referee's Nicholas, son. Nicholas, yeah. the referee's son. Nick, what is, why? why did, I didn't even know why that, I just, I don't know, that was a put off for me, man. I'll tell I'll you tell why. You. I'll tell you why. Boy. We create moments. <laughs> it's all that is. <laughs> 
It's just yeah, something. You know it's just moments were a thing, and then they started forcing WrestleMania moments. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's definitely a force. When, when am I going to get my WrestleMania moment? When's my WrestleMania? Dude, you got to do something. Make it happen. It's organic. You don't just book moments. It happened. So here's the next thing on the list. Making Kevin Nash a booker. Madness. Is this your answer to which was the greatest mistake made by WCW? I'm not going to give you my answer until we're all through, but this is a this is a contender for sure. And uh, the reason why is because if you go and you look at what's on this list, Kevin Nash and some of his, I found this link here. that has got three of his worst booking decisions. Okay. And on this list is ending Goldberg's streak at Starcade 98. Also the finger poke of doom. He was involved in that and a lesser one, but not talked about yet on the show. He was, uh, uh, had Rey Mysterio lose his mask as well and I, that was kind of a thing that uh i don't know some people have a problem with that the the, the big luchador fans and, and things like that was a, it turned out to be maybe a bad decision but again now that kevin nash's uh booking is responsible for two two instances on our list here i have to say just by default that that is actually a front runner here as a as a major mistake as i do think it would be giving uh any booking options to the talent as it is right now and, and at any point really that's the main thing Vegas, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, that you cannot give an active competitor the book, uh, which is weird because WCW had already been down that road with Flair in the early 90s. And you, you would think uh, that they wouldn't make the same mistake twice. But Eric Bischoff has gone on record saying he trusted Nash and he was burnt out. This is getting into that era, uh, that time frame where Bischoff is, is checked out mentally and emotionally and probably physically. So this is just one of those instances where Nash was the right place, the right time, and a guy that Bischoff could trust. But still, a horrible fucking mistake. <laughs> well, yeah, you never want them to have full control uh, of being the booker. Like, obviously, you know, AEW, I'm, I'm sure Jericho has hundred percent control, but it still has to go through Tony Khan. So Jericho might be able to, to create stuff in Cody Rhodes and young bucks and all them. They probably have a huge input in input, what they do. That's the key word, but Tony Khan still has to say, okay, or no, same with Vince McMahon, even though he's 150 years old, I don't think he will die at all. Cause we're going to be stuck with this WWE crap for years. Uh, Cause he's already ruined triple H's legacy, but that's a whole nother issue. But, you have you can't have a, an act like you said active wrestler being the booker. Just it doesn't work that way. Can't happen. So next on the list, allowing these guys to quit, and in this picture is Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Dean Malenko. So these guys quit on a night in January of two thousand. Yep. Okay. So it ends up being. The night after, I believe, the WWF Royal Rumble. Close to it, at least. Yeah. I know it's right around that uh, that time. Uh, now, you have to also remember that within the last year, uh, the big show, the giant, what do you want to call him, also debuted in WWF, as well as Chris Jericho. So now you've got four more all at once showing up on Raw as, a, as if we were, like, putting together some big walkout of some terrible company. So... Letting these guys all walk at the same time 
is probably not a good idea and allowing them showing up on your on your competition's network is not a good it makes your company look bad it's like if anywhere else in the world where you work if there's a walkout and something's up with that company it makes it look bad on national television it it put wcw down even further in my opinion just by having those guys simply show up there all at once it was not the night after the rumble i'm thinking it was uh benoit had won the belt the night before at the wcw pay-per-view which was in january which one would they do in january Help me out here. That'd be sold out. Usually. Was it sold out? March was uncensored, right? I think so. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, March is uncensored and it's sold out. Sold out was the pay-per-view in January, typically. Um, I know they changed that up in 2001 when the company was really dead, but I believe that was sold out 2000. I'll, I'll double check. But yeah, Benoit had like won the belt recently. He had won the belt that special. night, right? I don't know. I, don't I think they tried to the, give him the belt to give him this to keep... They tried... Not, belt i believe he'd lost it i don't know we, sh we should probably look that up before we keep talking about it but <laughs> belt or not i know he recently held it and to have a champion you know even whether, whether he had it then or not to have a recent champion like that a guy you're just gonna push walk away to at that same point mm -mm, that's not good i don't think he was i don't think he had the belt to be honest with you there would have been bigger news their champion left they would we would have heard about that so The pay-per-view was called Sold Out. The scheduled main event was Bret Hart against Sid. The problem was Hart suffered a, a severe concussion at the hands of Goldberg. So it ends up being Sid. I think it ends up being here Sid against Benoit. Maybe. Oh my God, I didn't know I was clicking yeah, on like a whole fucking story. Whole article, but Come on. welcome to the 90 day non-compete is basically how this, you know, it all came about to be like, well, we can't just have somebody, uh, you know, on one station and then all of a sudden go to another company the next night. But right. so, so what it says here, he was champion. He was champion. He quit. It was vacated. So the, the title was vacated. Right after the day, uh, January 16th, 2000, he won it. And the title was vacated on Nitro on January 17th. And I believe these guys showed up around January 30. So, so, and Sid won the title on the 24th of January. So, no, he was not the champion when he left. He had recently won it. Sid was already the champion. And uh, that's where we were. And that's what happened. So, he was a recent title holder. And uh, seeing that on TV, you know, whether he was or not in that point, I think that was uh, those. That's the core of the, the company. Those guys were their workers, man. Those were four really good workers. Those are guys that never got their push that they wanted. Benoit was getting his, but he saw, you know, greener pastures and, and took that ride. Yeah, they tried to get him the title to keep him to keep him around, and it didn't work. Yeah, Benoit didn't want to hang around. I guess. I think he had. A, well, I think a lot of that too was that heat that he him and Sullivan had. Well, between with, with the wife thing. Yeah, because yeah, Sullivan's he, back Kevin, in the company. That's another reason why you shouldn't be a booker, because Kevin Sullivan will tell you he booked his own divorce. Yes. Yes. Macho Man is famously known for saying, don't bring your wife into the wrestling business because I did and I don't have a wife anymore. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, so those guys leaving the workhorses, obviously, of the promotion. A lot of those guys haven't been there since Nitro was launched in 95. And uh, those guys leaving, 
was just a sign of the times that WCW was the Titanic. And that ship had already hit the iceberg. It hit it the night Goldberg lost his streak. I've already told you that in this very broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. That's when, the, that's when the ship hit the iceberg. And it's sinking and it's sinking and it's sinking. And the radicals jumping out. They basically got on what could only be called the last lifeboat. Because WCW's yep. dead a year later. So, right, last last lifeboat before they had to be forced into the invasion angle a year later. So, so last but not certainly least, the event that a lot of people say would say this was the number one reason that WCW went under. But those who say that would just don't know what they're talking about. But it is David Arquette winning the WCW world title. Mm-hmm. I get the argument. I understand the purest side of it. If you are a purist and you feel that the world title should be held by the best wrestler in the company. Some of us like us here, fellow marks believe that the world champion chip is legitimately won. Some say it literally it isn't. It's given to guys. It was given to Arquette in Oh boy. April, April of 2000. 2000. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. April of 2000, he wins it in a situation that, you know, Eric Bischoff will defend and say it was logical because he only pins Eric Bischoff to win the title. He doesn't pin a wrestler. He doesn't pin DDP or Jeff Jarrett. He pins Bischoff to win the belt in the triple cage, ready to rumble hype move. And madness I can see how this can rank in the top three, but by April of 2000, we had already hit the iceberg. Yeah, you make a good point being at the timing here, but I do think this is a major, major mistake because you really can't recover from this. All the other ones, there's there's a way out. You can create, you can pull some creative out of your ass and recover from it, even no matter how bad it was. You can replace stars, you can do that. You can't erase title history. And when you put that belt with that lineage, on a joke like David Arquette, who actually had a mind for the business. I won't lie. He didn't even want to take this title. I believe uh, is what I've heard is that he was against it, but he went along with it. And even more of a shocker that I didn't remember until I started looking into this is this happened on thunder. Mm -hmm. This didn't happen at a pay-per-view. This didn't happen on even a nitro, the flagship show. They, They threw this thing on, on thunder. And, uh, thought it was a little weird and definitely a contender here for what their biggest mistake would be, because no matter where it was, you can't recover from this. You cannot come back. This was the dagger to me. This was all those other things were that this is the thinking. This sunk. So here's my rebuttal to your to your statement. When you say, oh, the other things, you know, they could have been followed up on. You could have made so they didn't, though. So they that that's why I can't make this the number one reason, the number one mistake by WCW. Because they had already not followed up on those events that already transpired. So this is just another example of bad creative on top of already existing bad creative. So the reason reason I'm not going to put this probably as the biggest mistake is strictly because of when it happened. It happened when this company was within a nine months of closing folding. It was kind of already dead, but this assured that it was. So 
but I, you I, can't, I can't you sit there and say that. Can't you make the argument that in order for this to be the number one mistake, it has to be the first. It can't just be a. This can't. Well, this was the last mistake, so it has to be the mistake that did him in. But all those other mistakes that were made prior to this that were major, I would even say, I would even say that the finger poke of doom was a bigger mistake than this one because they already failed to follow up on the first major mistake. And that was the Goldberg streak mistake. So then you follow that up with, Oh, now we're going to finger poke a doom, not even a month later. And now it's like, Oh, that's bad creative. Okay. Well, do we follow that up? Well, n- no, we don't really follow that one up. Mm-hmm. No. Well, and then, and then of, there's a lot of ifs going on here. And you know, I'm not going to argue this with you because I don't know if I'm going to actually make this, the put this as my number one reason mistake. I do think it's the only one that they could not have even tried to recover from That's now, that. I understand that they can't recover. You can't do anything. Once you you've made that title a joke, that guys, you can't erase that. That that's on your, to your history. See, see I, I would consider th- I would even say this isn't a mistake. I, I would say, well, neither would that, Russo. Well, yes, but you guys I'm, said that in common yes, because I can see again, purist, you you want to have this title. It's got the here the lineage. It's got the history. But at this point, they knew they were sinking. They knew that the life rafts were running out and they were all going to die. So putting it putting the title on him to promote this movie to get the buzz around the title, the the product, that's not a bad thing. You see things happen all the time with with the WWE right now. And and trying to get on ESPN and bringing in uh, you know Rousey and and all the all you know obviously Lesnar at at uh, for the UFC, go bringing him there because he had a name already. You're pr- cross promoting Hollywood with wrestling, trying to get your name out there to get more eyes on your product. So I would not say this is a problem. I would say if you're a purist, you hate it. I didn't have a problem with it at the time, and I still don't have a problem with it because you knew you were going down anyway. You were just trying to to get one last lifeboat out there. So Russo defends it because he says the next day they were on the New York Post to cover the paper or they were in the Daily News or whatever. And the the word I think, Vegas, that you you didn't mention, but it, it's it's exposure and it's mainstream yes. exposure. Yes. And that's what putting the title on our cat. The problem is. The problem is David Arquette is a D-list collect call commercial guy. I think they'd done Scream, maybe did Scream or whatever. Well, Scream was one of the top scariest movies of all time. Scream was already a few installments have already been released. Yeah, but he's not. Okay, but he's not the actor he needs to be. I agree. To get what you are. You just compared. I don't know if you intentionally meant to compare it. If you're just trying to pull examples, but you put Ronda Rousey in 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 this kind of conversation. Ronda Rousey is ten times the celebrity that David Arquette is. Well, yeah, of course. Let me and let me tell you something else. What you your comparison, what you're not stating here between Ronda Rousey and this is that Ronda Rousey is actually in MMA. She's a, she's a fighter. She is, she looks like she could be the champion. This guy is like, looks like he's works at a cell phone store and <laughs> a kiosk in a mall somewhere. Who's going to make us crack joke at your girlfriend's ass. 
that's what this guy looks like. he's like, like a total idiot he's like if you took if you took a guy I, just just because i can't think of any off the top of my head if you took a guy like maybe like a mark Wahlberg, a guy that has a physique the guy that could maybe be taken uh seriously and i'm not saying mark it's only coming to my head but somebody, yeah yeah, somebody, yeah jason statham somebody that looks like they're tough that looks like they can get in there they can learn and they have the ability to go ahead and take the business seriously and you want to make them the champion to get the exposure fine but this is David Arquette. He fell on top of Eric Bischoff. He looked like an idiot when he when he won with his face and everything like that. Like he's shocked and he just looks stupid. And it just shit on the title. It shit on the company. It shit on the industry. It's garbage. I don't care. He wasn't the guy for it. I get where Joey Vegas was coming from for the exposure, but this was not well, the guy. He's a D-lister. Well, yeah, he's yeah. a he is a D-lister. But the thing was that he had a, a major motion picture out. In the theaters at the time, it wasn't like they could get a Mark Wahlberg. Hey, you want to come win the title? They well, had, they, they, they had cast the, the they, they cast the, the 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 that movie Ready to Rumble wasn't going to ever be big enough to have the actor in it become WCW World Champion. I understand that, but they were working with what they had. They had a celebrity, yes, yeah. he's a D-list celebrity. Some could, ar- some could argue he was a, a B-plus celebrity when Scream was coming out. Who the okay? fuck is going to argue that? His wife, some. his wife, and now ex-wife, is a thousand times more. They would have been better off putting that fucking title on Courtney Cox in, 19, well, in, no in 2000. She was on Friends. Yeah, of exactly. Of course. That's what I'm saying. So that's kind of so, where I'm at with, with, with this whole thing. You're kind of defending the idea. I'm saying at that time, why not? Why not put it on him? Get get a couple more eyes on the product. Why not? All right. So so real quick, a, a list of statistics here for you. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so ready to rumble. You want to you want to tell me? You want me to tell you why that doesn't mean shit? Because that movie had hold, a hold budget. On. Are you going to gross? Budget. Okay. Hold on. Wait. 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 Don't give me whatever you're about to say. Don't give me how much money it made at the box office. Let us guess that. Okay, I'm going to give you the budget. Okay. The movie. I'll tell you what the budget was. Go ahead. You can tell me what it made at the box office. Yes. Okay. What's, the, what's the budget? The budget for the film was tw- uh, $24 million. Okay. I guarantee you it at the at the box office, it didn't do more than seven. What do you think, Joey? At the box office, maybe not. But but after v- VHS and DVD, it probably did a lot more. Box office, I'd say $12 million. Okay. Just to be higher than you. Yeah, Joey Joey Vegas is pretty much right on the money because it's twelve point five million dollars. Wow! Yeah, so it, you it, got it, it without it, going it over. Barely hit half. It didn't even have yeah. to clear the. It was not profitable. So, yeah, it again, was not a profitable again, movie. Again, it was what they had to work with at the time. We already know that the sinking ship was there. I'm not saying. Yeah. That I'm just saying in defense of this could never be the worst decision. Well, you keep defending this, and we're going to be well, a sinking ship. Well, we're already I will down. go ahead and, and I will tell you guys that I purchased that movie on DVD and I am embarrassed of it. Oh, yeah. You should I, I've, I watch it every time it's on free TV. You guys are a joke. Yeah. No, I actually bought the DVD and I think <laughs> I still have it somewhere. I never did that, but I did watch it on free you TV. Should, you know what you should do? You should, find, you should find that DVD madness because I guarantee you that we could probably get David Arquette to sign it. You might hey, be able to get Eric Bischoff. Let's to get him sign on the show. It. Get him on the show. I'm saying we, uh, Arquette is still very much involved. In the pro wrestling business, oh, 100%. he's the well, death. He was, on, he was on that dark side of the ring episode with was it Nick? Uh, Nick Gage? Gage. Yeah, he's he the yeah because because David Arquette is the deathmatch king now. Did you right. uh, did you watch the David Arquette uh, documentary? 
uh, you can't kill David Arquette. Is that what it's called? No, I didn't watch it. I did. It's pretty I, good. I have not seen it. Any I, good? I, I mean, it's pretty good. It, it it gives you a little bit more respect for him and how he does respect the business and how he didn't want. No, the he title. does, and that's and, and that's, he didn't want the title, but they forced it. Yeah, on. no, I get it. Like everyone knows, he didn't want it, and it was just the creative. And he told Paige he didn't want to do it, and Paige was just like, "Shut up, dude! Everybody wants to be champion, yeah. so just fucking do it." But again. It can't be number one because it wasn't first in terms of decisions that altered the company. It was just another, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Titanic hit the iceberg, you know, when Goldberg's streak ended. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, David Arquette winning the belt is like the asteroid that fell out of the sky that hit the ship that was already buried a, a half underwater 75 percent of it was underwater then this asteroid just happened to come out of the sky and just hit it it that's that's arquette arquette's right. the final blow it's uh, the nail in the coffin is yes what it is. it's dead it's just okay now when you saw david arquette win that you can point to the television and say okay this is done that's all right what you can do that's what i'll give that so i will come and agree with that even though i think it's a bigger mistake than you're leading out i i will agree where you're at so Madness, I will go to you. Which okay. was the greatest mistake by WCW? The overexpansion of the NWO, Hulk Hogan having creative control, the finger poke of doom, Goldberg's streak ending, hiring Vince Russo, Kevin Nash as a booker, allowing the radicals to leave, or putting the title on Joey Vegas' favorite actor, David Arquette. Well, I would tell you that the top three for me would be the finger poke of doom ending the Goldberg streak the way they did and making Kevin Nash a booker. So Kevin Nash being the booker made those two events happen. So by default, I'm going with Kevin Nash as a booker because I don't think talent should book. And I think that he was responsible for two on here that were very vital to the death of this company. So that is my selection. All right, Joey Vegas. I, I have two. In two different categories. This wasn't part of it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Great. For we told me, you to pick one. Uh, yes, but <laughs> just, you'll you'll get my real, once I mention it, you'll He understand. does his own rules, folks. I do. <laughs> I do my own rules. Fuck yes. it. That's the way I do it. All right. Uh, so, my personally, I would choose the overexpansion of the NWO because that is when I, myself, personally, was like, I'm done with this. Because you had so many, everybody, every. 70% of the people were in the NWO. It probably wasn't that much, but that's what I felt. So Joy I hated Vegas. it personally. Joey Vegas, I want a question for you. Wh- at what point do you consider, when was the NWO overexpanded? What do you consider the overexpansion? Where, what could you pinpoint that you would consider it being overexpanded? When, when maybe something happened? What, what do you say? Well, I mean, I would probably say, <coughs> excuse me, when... I don't know exactly when it was. I couldn't tell you a timeline. I'm not very good with those. But I would probably say when, uh, you know, you had the giant in, the giant out, then the giant back in. Like, I don't think, I think the core members that I would, I guess, would be a easier answer would be Scott Norton, Buff Bagwell, Scott Steiner, then Hall Nash and Hogan, obviously, um, and Vincent, of course. But once right. they brought in, like, you know, maybe maybe even the Disciple, too, I guess, for Hogan's sake. But. Once you started adding, you know, Sting, Luger, even though I know they were, you know, Wolfpack, I like the Wolfpack, 
But I think when you had to expand it to the Wolfpack to have two of them, that just bothered me. I, I didn't like that. Okay. Well, I hear what you're saying. I, like I told you, I don't I, even think this should be on the list. But for me, if you have to say a point when the NWO was considered maybe being a little too overexpansive, it was when uh, Horace Hogan joined yes, the, uh, yeah, the faction. Yeah, that, too, that would yes. have been in late 98. And that's just yeah. before we had these other two events, Finger Poke of Doom and uh, the the streak ending. So I do think it kind of all started just late 98 is where it started to peter out. But like I said, that was for me personally, but as the whole WCW thing, it would be ending Goldberg streak because that was like, for me, you know, you were hyped up, you're ready to go. And then he loses it by a cattle prod. It's like, okay, you, you built him up and you let Nash go over. Nash, you know, you already love Nash, or he was already over a heel, whatever, and then you, he didn't need it. But realistically, like you said, him being the Kevin Nash being the Booker, you know, would probably be right there, neck and neck with Goldberg's streak. So I can't argue with either of you. So I'm putting Kevin Nash as the Booker, Joey Vegas. You've got the Goldberg streak, and Dick Ford. You did tell us early in the show that you had uh, the Goldberg streak as your pick. Did you change that at all over the last uh, thirty minutes? No. Absolutely not. It's without question. And, and if you're, and if you're gonna end it, Chris Jericho has to be the guy who beats him. That would have been uh, that would have been something. I think it would have shocked a lot of people too, because he was still sort of looked at as a cruiserweight mid card guy. It would have really, really, really getting some butts in the seats, as Tony Schiavone would say. Yeah, and Tony Schiavone did turn that into a book, so he's made a lot of money off of that comment. <laughs> it's probably good. Yeah. It's probably good though that Jericho didn't do that. Um, for the instance of, I don't think they would have been able to book him worth the shit. He would have tried to, him. yeah, they buried he, him. They would have, he would have, he would have been buried. He wouldn't have had the title more than a month. Oh no, yeah. because Hogan would have beat him, brother. Well, yeah, easy, easily, easily. Or I got to drop, I got to drop the leg to win that. Buried yeah. Jericho, we would have been the same shit. I got yeah. Hogan's like, I got to drop the leg. He's got to yeah. kill. He's got to kill all the momentum, kind of like how he wanted to kill Brian Pillman's. Hogan must pose, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we, we've so that's it madness that's our that's that's i mean so that's uh, that's where we're at so we so you know we're really much pinning pointing that late 98 early 99 sector of time is mm-hmm. where they made the most mistakes yeah uh, i know it's all subjective what we're saying here you can't really pinpoint it on anything but i did want to uh as i said at the top of the show we do have some listeners so we are grateful for all of them and two of them did give me their thoughts on what WCW's biggest mistakes were uh, the first one here. And I want to get your guys' take on these first and then I'll chime in, but I wanted our buddy heavy hap uh, 86 on Instagram. He's a big listener of the show. Shout out to him. He says that one of the biggest mistakes by the company was their creative usage of Bret Hart upon entering the company. Now I have to say, if you look at the way he was, what he came off of after the screw job, they brought him in Starcade's coming up. They made him a referee. They waited also several weeks to actually put him on TV when they could have done that the very next week uh, or whatever, or actually the very next night, technically, because it was a, a, a Sunday pay-per-view into a Monday. Yeah, but he so, still had a, he still had a deal. He, he couldn't he couldn't go right away because his, his, yeah, his, yeah, his WWF deal didn't actually expire until I think like a week or two into December. Well, Which is why even that and, and and what they did with him throughout his his entire yes, but, but, but which 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 is why McMahon saying I didn't want him to show up with the title the next night that was always bullshit that was never ever ever 
legally going to happen. That is just a fake story that McMahon has perpetrated, even so much the Undertaker regurgitates right. it. But no, it was impossible for him to show up the next night on Nitro with the WWF title. It, McMahon's bullshit. And in my own opinion, personally, I know Bret Hart has been a very wrestling purist. He's a very traditional guy. I don't think Bret Hart would have done that personally. No. I think it would have looked bad on him more than on the company itself. I think it would have made him look kind of, I don't know, heelish. And I don't think he really ever wanted to be a true heel, Bret Hart, in the, in the, industry, in the company at any point. But so, anyways, that was one. Yeah, uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I want to agree with Heavy Hep in, in the sense of, that should be on this list. That could have been a square on this meme because that is the first. Well, no, technically it's the second disastrous creative decision that that company makes. The first being the, the bullshit finish at the 97 Starcade and not just having Sting win without any controversy. But the, the mishandling of Bret Hart has to be a creative decision that haunts Eric Bischoff. And I understand legally he could not bring Bret Hart out the night after Survivor Series. I know that there's this thing where he could just do whatever he wants the night after Survivor Series. And I understand that that's not the case. The minute he was available, they should have brought him in. If they didn't, I'd have to go back and look at the, the dates. But he should have been brought in right off the bat and opposed the NWO. And he should not have been an enforcer at Starcade 97. He should have just been honestly thrown right in with a hot program with probably Flair or Hogan. Uh, he could have been something that Hogan could have done in between the Sting thing after Sting won the belt. But the way that they the way that they fucked that whole thing up and they went back to it, I believe in what February they did the rematch between Sting mm -hmm. and 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 Hogan. Yeah, I agree with Heavy Hep. Long story short, I agree with Heavy Hep. That could have been on this list. It should definitely have been. And you know what? I wanted to say one other thing too. You know, when that whole screw job went down, you know, Jim Neidhart and British Bulldog followed uh, Bret Hart over to WCW shortly after that. And I know Neidhart's sort of a, yeah, not so much of a, a top guy at all, but British Bulldog had his run near the top. I always wondered why the British Bulldog never got a good push in WCW. He was there in like 1993 and then again here in 98. And I just never understood why they never pushed Davy Boy Smith into anything relevant in that uh, company. I have an answer for you on the 93 thing. And that's yeah. because he was very unreliable and bulldog. And I, I only know this. I just heard this on an 83 weeks podcast, but bulldog also was really heavy into some, some shit in terms of substance abuse and yeah. no, and no showing shows, but in, in, in bulldogs defense, because he's not here to defend himself. Bulldog felt like they were screwing him on some paydays in the UK and then he stopped showing up and then they fired him in 93, but they were tuning him up for a title run. I believe against rude, I believe was the champion at the time or sting. I could be wrong, but they were getting ready and then he got fired in 93 
because he no-showed a couple of shows, but he no-showed because he felt like he was getting screwed on some paydays from the UK, uh, from some WCW shows in the UK. So that's kind of, and then by 97, I can't answer why they never went with him in 97, but fuck by 99, he's back in WWF. <laughs> Flopped around a lot more than we think that British yeah. Bulldog. I mean, thought it could have been a cool angle too, if Nightheart and, and the British Bulldog kind of uh, went in with uh, Bret Hart as some sort of uh Heart Foundation uh, invasion type deal. Yeah. But I don't know. Who knows? That's all knows? mystery shit. But yeah. anyways, what's the next one? Got anything on Bret Hart? Not anything else that you guys haven't already said. Right, go ahead all with right, the next so, listener guy. Yeah. Uh, next, the next one comes from uh, Sebastian Knowlton. And uh, he says, well, the biggest mistake by WCW was not putting the world title on Norman Smiley. <laughs> if you don't remember, if you don't know who Norman Smiley is, he was around probably 98 through the end of the company. He was a British wrestler uh, and he was just basically relegated to the uh, hardcore division, but he would dance around. He was actually a talented. Uh, the worker, big wiggle. Yeah. Big, the big wiggle. It's Smiley. Obviously, this is a sarcastic entry, but hey, I wanted to give him a shout out. He he responded. He's a Norman Smiley guy, so yeah. I don't know. He's also a drug guy, clearly. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Norman Smiley is going to be mostly known. I think his legacy in the business is going to be what he does uh, in the training in the gym than he is going to be known for what he did in the ring. So he's he one of those trainer worker, guys. Though. He was known as a sound worker, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's going to be mostly remembered as a guy who trained a lot of guys. Well, yes. yes and girls. Correct. Yeah. All right. And then now, guys, I got five other quick ones. I don't want you to go in too depth here. I just got five other ones I came up with myself. And some of these are not even like detrimental to the company. But there were five things that happened within WCW that I thought kind of were stupid. Now, the first one I think is actually a legitimate contender that could go on this meme. I think one of the biggest mistakes that they ever made was adding in Thunder as a show. Because what happened here was they didn't have the talent to, to fill these shows up. The, the show really went nowhere. It forced WWE, I believe, uh, to go ahead and create SmackDown. And what this did was start tumbling. The, the content started going wild here. This is where we started getting all these other shows and, and too much wrestling. What do you guys think about adding in Thunder on Thursday nights? Is that a good idea? Was that more exposure, more wrestling for the time that was booming? I understand it. But in the long run, did that really water down the business to too much content? Well, I think, as we've seen, having more shows and not enough wrestlers to cover those shows is very bad. But I think they they had to do it at the time because I think it was the product was so hot, they wanted to monopolize that. They wanted to make money. And I think that's the reason they did it. And they didn't think about, oh, wrestling. They thought about, oh, let's right. just get the advertising money. Right. And they never really, they never used that time, in my opinion, to ever like go ahead. That was their time when they, they could have actually started pushing new stars with that extra show, the extra time. And that was exactly, ironically, I believe Thunder began in like uh, late 98 too, kind of where we were pinpointing where the, uh, the ship kind of went wrong. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dick? Well, Eric Bischoff will tell you that the start of Nitro was his personal answer to the start of the downfall stretch thunder. thunder sorry what did i say nitro nitro. nitro sorry nitro is the start of it uh the start of the boom yeah thunder adding thunder stretched them too thin and he knew that they were screwed so but i understand why tb you know turner wanted something on the mothership pro uh the mothership channel and uh we got thunder i thought as a fan as a mark because that's what i am first I, I thought it was great 
more wrestling. It's what I wanted. Yeah, but it really exposed the company to just showing they didn't build enough over the last several years, and they didn't have enough to do. They didn't, they didn't showcase anybody right on those shows. Thunder could Thunder could have been the the neon sign, the red flag, the pink elephant in the room that they needed to change course creatively. Um, yeah, but it wasn't so. Mm-mm. No, true. So moving along here, and these will be quick. These are not as serious. These are just other things I thought that they did that were silly. Uh, airing the people's nitro parties on TV. You remember you they would put people on TV and show their nitro party at home? I, they, everyone just looked so stupid on those things. They're screaming and shit. I don't know. What do I, you guys think I, of them? I disagree. Nitro uh, yeah, parties? I, I, I thought that was great. I know. I, I disagree. Party. It, you know, they had to fake the first couple. Yes, but then once people start submitting real parties, that may, especially when there were ones from colleges, that made it look like it was cool because a lot of the times when people found out that you were a wrestling fan, you were considered a fucking dork. You're still a fucking dork, but there were more fucking dorks with you (laughs) at that time. So Mm -hmm. I I loved the nitro parties. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. You you make a good point. You do. You do change my mind on a little bit. Maybe it's just me watching it in uh, 20 years later. Yes. Irritated by the people (laughs) screaming at them and things and not not really understanding how important and vital they could have been uh, during that time. As far as like you said, taking that dorkiness away from wrestling and making it cool again. And I also, that reminds me of those nitros that they did uh, on spring break. Oh. It was like around a pool and oh, everything. Yes. Panama city beach, yeah. Florida, baby. At, Vill- at the villa, at the yeah. villa, yeah. whatever. Did yeah. Guys, did you guys like those? Oh, those yeah, absolutely. Great. Awesome. I, I like when they did that and they did it, I think at Disney MGM uh, at the park mm-hmm. early in 96. Yeah. I like when they did those different on-site nitros. And I also liked when they did it at Bash the Beach on the beach that one year in 95. I or miss road, shows uh, that have those. Wild. And Road, road Wilds. Road those, road. Are, yep. those, are, those are great. I like those those different theme type of uh, shows like that. But yeah, anyways. because, hold on. No, no, you can't say, but anyway, move on. Because <laughs> Mc, McMahon only does them in arenas. WCW did them differently. The 95 beach show that you're talking about was right here in Huntington beach. Mm -hmm. And those shows are awesome. The, Mm -hmm. the, the ones with the, the surrounded by water at the villa, but I can't think of the fucking name of it. I I know you're talking about. Yeah. So I, you know, I love that AEW is, is um, they've done a couple of shows where the scenery has been different. Uh, I wish they would do more of those because Vince is never going to do it. Doesn't have the balls to do it. And uh, no big fan of those scenery shows where the, 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 it wasn't inside of arena fucking mall of America. Come on, let's get real. That nitro mall of America. That was something. All right. So what about the Latino world order? That was the worst idea ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible. I know La Parca, I know LA park still tries to make a couple of bucks off of that, but you you got all the guys that, Awful. face each other in the loot in the the cruiserweight matches into one stable and they're supposed to do what now like what are they going to do they're all on one team who the hell are they yeah. going to fucking go against so yeah stupid it was uh, incredibly right, racist. Now, now listen now before you guys i do this next one here joey vegas dick ford don't call me gay not oh, that there's anything wrong with it but yeah. i thought the nitro girls were a very stupid idea well which one of us is going to call him gay first you or me well that's your stick so you go ahead Okay. Look, I, I, I'm not I understand it with the Nitro Chippendales or anything like that. Listen, but, okay. I understand what you're saying because they're not, they were not designed for the TV audience. 
they were designed to keep the people that were in the building entertained during downtime when they were on commercial breaks, just the same way that other sports franchises have cheerleaders. So while you're not totally gay, you're like half gay because, yeah, because I think, I know knowing what their purpose was, they served their purpose. Most of them were hot. And one of them ends up, turns out to be Shawn Michaels, wife. We still married to, to this day. So he fucking loves the fact that they created the nitro girls. And, and one of them was DDP's wife. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think the nitro girls was a great idea and it, they served their purpose. Now, when they got ridiculous is when they started having them do matches and shit. Like that mm. stuff was dumb, yeah. but the nitro girls to what they were at the core and what they were created for. It's a brilliant idea from Eric Bischoff. And all he did was copy other sports. This is true. What do you think, Joey? You got anything else on that? No, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think the main reason for, you know, the commercial breaks and stuff, keep the live audience entertained. And I mean, obviously as a kid, I mean, come on. I mean, who, who you're not a kid. You're a teenager. Well, okay. But a kid not under, I, mean, I was under 18. That's yeah, still a kid. But, you but gotta remember these are if you're these are cheerleaders that come out, they do a little bit of dancing on the other program. They got Sable coming out with handprints on her fake fake tits and yeah. shit. They're really so well, different shit. Yeah. Well, well that was on that was on like, garbage. That's what was going getting over at the time. That's why why do you think Sable had WrestleMania message and held the title? It's not because of her in-ring work, it's because of her sex appeal. Those handprints you know? were on pay-per-view, but I understand what you're saying. No, the handprints weren't they? Yeah, they're on fully loaded. Was it was when she did a bikini. I thought wrong. it was on a roll. That's when she did a bikini contest. That's oh, that when she's wearing the potato sack, I thought. I don't remember. But yeah, fully loaded is when she did that. If if oh, if if I memory mean, serves me correctly. It could be correct. I don't know. I'm gonna Google I it. I thought it was on talk. a raw, but no, definitely. Right, well, while you Google that, I'll give you guys this last and final one that I thought might have been a mistake, but I can't tell yet. I'll let you guys sway my mind. That's uh the guys on Nitro, the uh giving the uh results away. Like Tony Schiavone, that time they've done it multiple times. The one that gets the most uh, notoriety is when it was the Mankind uh, title win on the other channel when the Finger Poker Doom was going on. So, what do you guys think about giving away those results um, on Nitro for what happened on Raw when it was taped? That's stupid. It, 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 why? First of all, it's a dick move. Second off, you're basically telling people, "Hey, this happens on the other show." If the other people wanted to see that. They're gonna switch over, so I, I that's just stupid. I don't know why you so, would ever do so that. Joey Vegas, you're saying that those result those uh, results were almost in a way not to spoil but to promote the other side. In, in a way, yes, they didn't mean that. They didn't want to promote the other side, but well, in like, a way, if you yes. Think about it, though, at the time, like okay, if if Tony Schiavone goes on and he says, uh, "Don't turn the channel," Mick Foley, he's gonna win their world title. That'll put some butts in their seats. Huh. If he he says that, you know what I'm doing at that time? I'm like. Wait a minute. You know why people switched the channel? They didn't care about seeing mankind win the title. They wanted to know, okay, is this guy fucking for real right now? Are they is this actually gonna happen? Like, did he just give that away? Like, I'm gonna go check and see if that happens now. That's what they probably did. If they were smart to the business and smart to what was going on. I don't remember what the hell I was doing at the time, but I sure as shit don't would have probably changed the channel myself. I turned the channel. I turned the channel too. I remember distinctly yeah, watching that Nitro a lot because they had me because of the Hogan Nash match that they were promoting that whole night. 
And when they mentioned mankind, Mick Foley winning the title, I turned the channel. Mm-hmm. And um, you got something else? No, no. Okay. So just to clarify, July 26, 1998 at Fully Loaded is when she did the handprints on the titties. Okay. Now so they did they did push the envelope with her attire, absolutely. But that technically, what you guys are saying, did not happen on USA Network. That was a pay-per-view thing. Now, so to answer your, uh, to talk to you about your statement there with the results and to, to disagree with Joey Vegas, the way and the results that I mainly remember him giving out, the only time it actually hurt them was the mankind thing. Because the way that they did the results and the, the matches that they gave you, the names that they would talk about weren't channel changer names. Right. And, and, yeah. and the message of which they were delivered by Bischoff mainly, I could just hear him in my head right now. You know, it was like, oh, puh, huh. oh yeah, mm-hmm. okay, this guy couldn't beat a paper bag. So I, the only time it hurt them, or at least the only time that we know that is verified with factual evidence is the Tony Schiavone busting the seats line. All that stuff in 96, 95 when he was doing it. Now, and you know what? I love the fact that he did it because that tells you they were in a war, in a war that they needed to win, a war that they wanted to win. And Bischoff would do anything to win. All is fair game. Vegas, you being upset about it is, is like McMahon crying that he was getting his ass kicked by a billionaire. McMahon wiped out an entire industry in 83, 82, 81, when he wiped out all the territories and he, he wasn't crying then. So it's, it's uh no, I, I'm not upset that they did. I just think, I, I just think that it was stupid. I, I think it was stupid. It was an ego driven, like, ha ha, fuck you. I'm the best type thing. I, I don't, I just, I just don't like, I, I just like, like it. Cause they gave McMahon, a dose, a dose of his own medicine, as they I say. Think, I think you both make a point. To be honest with you, Lou. I agree with Joey Vegas and and, and you, Dick. I think you guys make a bo- point on both sides of what it was, right. and uh, a little of each. I fist bump. Yeah, fist bump. All right. Yeah. For, for once, somebody gets along. Look at that. Yeah. So, well, that's all I got uh, on right. my list there. So, Dick, back to you. Uh, next week, because uh, Mike Madness wants us to do a show every week. Uh, so uh, next week we're going to cover. Uh, all things, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, Madness. You have the Excel sheet, but I think we're covering all things, uh, Japan and AEW next week, seeing as though we have a AEW switching to TBS this coming week where we're getting Danielson versus page two. And we have all of the big Japan shows that are happening here in the beginning of January next week. We're going to cover all of that. So we're going to talk about the Noah show from the first. We're going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom from the fourth and the fifth and the eighth. And we're going to talk about the AEW shows that happen uh, here on TBS. The night night two. Night two is tonight. If you're listening this on the fourth, it is tonight. Very early in the morning, 1230 Pacific. So you're going to want to, you know, Watch it later, unless you're me, because I'll be up watching it live both nights. In fact, there you go. Uh, and the Noah night when they're facing Noah 
Which night three. Favorite. Night yeah. three next weekend. So we will do all of that next week. And from there, for the rest of the month, I know that I don't have it in front of me, but for the rest of the month, we're covering a lot of the Royal Rumble stuff. Yeah, we're going to go with the following week. The Royal Rumble 1992 is having its uh, 30-year anniversary. To many people, that's considered the greatest Royal Rumble that was ever put on by the uh, WWF. Well, to anybody with a brain. Uh, what's that? To anybody with a brain. Yeah, it is truly a, a great event. We're going to go through the entire thing, and I believe we're going to plan to watch the Rumble match itself right uh, on air here. And we're going to go ahead and just kind of throw our comments out there, give a little bit about that. So if you want to... If you're watching our show, you like it, throw that on, watch it. And if you do want to see, hear us cover anything else, just send us a message at Mark Side of the Ring on Instagram. We will do a show based on your suggestions. Yeah, and it's Mark Side of Ring on Twitter. I couldn't do the word the because it was too long. But yes, Mark Side of the Ring on Instagram, Mark Side of Ring on Twitter. Also, don't forget uh, Ford in Vegas. We do our own separate non-wrestling podcast if you're into two idiots just talking about other stuff that's going on in the world that's not wrestling related we do that as well so this is now a weekly podcast mark side of the ring this has been our debut episode go buy our merch go buy our merch i'll have to get a link yes we'll have to next week tweet the link out. i'll have a direct link next week thank god and uh for mike madness for Joey Vegas, I'm Dick Ford, and we'll see you guys next week. And so, goodbye, <laughs> and good night, bye.